everybody, and welcome to the ninth episode of the How's My Handpath podcast. This week on the show, we have Mr. Ted Scott. For those of you who don't know who that is, Ted has been Bubba Watson's caddy on the PGA Tour since 2006. Uh, so going on his 15th, 14th or 15th year. Um, Ted was with Bubba for both his major victories, the 2012 and 2014 Masters. We get into the Masters victory. Um, and we just talk a lot about his own teaching uh, because Ted knows a ton about the golf swing as well, which is very cool to see. Um, and just about their relationship and, you know, what you can learn from Ted. Uh, in my opinion, this was one of the more insightful podcasts we've done. Ted had a bunch of golden nuggets there uh, for the listeners. So I hope you guys enjoy it and uh, stay tuned. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's just, uh, hop right in. Uh, Ted, how was your, uh, how were your holidays? Man, unbelievable. We, um, I'm off for six weeks. I got one to go coming up and, uh, we had an amazing time as a family for Christmas and New Year's. Hung out, spent some quality time together, went camping off the grid where there's no cell phones and no cameras and no golf swings and no TVs and nothing, man. And just, uh, did some hiking and biking and had a great time. Thanks for asking. What about you? good yeah pretty good so kind of the same things uh my brother just had a kid actually over the holidays so like the excitement level was through the roof first time uncle for me so it was it was nice <laughs> no doubt um I so I, already, don't you? <laughs> yeah um so i wanted to um i kind of wanted to ask how your relationship with bubba started because i don't know if many people know about it i think it would be cool to hear the story of how you guys even met yeah, sure. Um, so I caddied on tour since 2000, started in March of 2000 with Grant Waite, and then I worked with Paul Azinger. And when I was working with Zinger, um, he, he and I split ways. And um, I, in 2006, I was attending the PGA Tour Bible study, and Bubba's rookie year was 2006, and he would attend the Bible study. But we, like Paul was in some different tournaments than him, so we never actually ran across each other and met. So when I split with Paul and Bubba split with his caddy, Ben Crane, who was a mutual friend from the study, uh, set us up on a blind trial run for two weeks. Um, the only problem was Bubba always tells a story. I couldn't uh, caddy or I wouldn't caddy. He called me up to caddy. I said, look, I'm not going to caddy for uh, four weeks, interestingly enough, because my first kid was being born, my daughter. So I said, look, I'm not I'm not going out again until she's, until she's born. I want to be here for that. And um, so he was kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird, you know. And um, <laughs> we finished uh, 11th and 12th our first two weeks, and he hired me. So that, that was in September of 2006. The, the Deutsche Bank in Boston was our first tournament. So this was obviously pre-FedEx uh, Cup playoffs that you guys had started playing late in the season? Yeah, it was uh, – I think the next year, if I'm not mistaken, is the, was the playoffs. I want to say uh, – but yeah, the, the very first year I do remember that it was for sure we we ended I think at Disney that year. Nice. So it's long relationship now. How long is it going? 13, 14 years, I guess, right? Yeah, we're on our 14th season together. Crazy. Time flies. <laughs> Obviously, you've spent the most time with Bubba, but I was going to ask, what uh, is the biggest differences that you have noticed between, let's say, cutting for Bubba and cutting for a guy like Paul? Is there is there like does the relationship change from player to player? I would imagine they're wildly different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's um, personalities and uh, skills 
desires, you know, what motivates them. I mean, you know, it's just, you're going from human to human and no two humans are alike, obviously. So, you know, no two golf swings are the same. So, you know, you, it's like you on the lesson tee, you know, you're, you're dealing with certain people are, they only want to practice, you know, while they're in the studio with you and other people are trying to go, go all out and become number one in the world. So you really have to treat each client differently. And, uh, it's very similar, you know, in caddy and there's no two players that are the same. I've caddied for three main guys, but I've done some, you know, uh, side work for a few other people. And, you know, I've never met two players yet that are the same, you know, obviously you see similarities and you see some, uh, some that have the same strengths, some have the same weaknesses or whatever, but, Overall, you know, I believe you really have to adapt, and and it's a high turnover rate. Caddying is, you know, it's not, it does, you don't last long, and I think that's for two reasons. Number one, you know, pros don't last long. You know, honestly, I mean, you know, we we know all the big name players, but every year at the start of the season, there's 50 people I've never met, you know, and haven't seen in person, and I'm I'm like, okay, got to relearn everybody's names, and and mm-hmm. so that's number one, and number two is, you know, you spend so much time with each other, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. And on the road and whatnot and in a high stress situation if you don't get along you know it's gonna it's gonna start showing it's kind of like i guess dating someone you know you, you spend that much time together and you start getting on each other's nerves you're probably going to end the relationship yeah no doubt i mean the fact that you guys started by meeting each other at bible study was probably a good sign to begin with. yeah definitely and uh you know it's, it's just funny how how it all worked out i mean um you know, Bubba, Bubba didn't tell me what he was going to pay me anything. We just showed up. And after we finished the 11th, the first week, we were, we were actually at Hamilton Golf Club on the putting green in Canada there uh, the next week. And, and he's like, man, we didn't even talk about it. I was going to pay you. I was like, well, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, it was kind of, <laughs> kind of a funny start, you know, just total random. Um, and, uh, you know, Bubba, Bubba didn't know me. I didn't know him. You know, he literally got off the car. I grabbed his clubs and just followed him around. And it was a very strange first day, you know. It was almost like a blind date. You know, I was like, I didn't know anything about him. You know, other than he hit it far, that was it. How uh, how's your relationship with him changed over the years? I, I'm I'm assuming oh, like you know him so well in and out now that it's like you know on the course it's almost a given of what what to say and what not to say at the right times. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I would say first of all, you know, he's one of my best friends. I mean, we're very close. Our families are close. Um, second of all, we spend a lot of time together cause we enjoy hanging out. You know, we have, we have similar things that we like, similar senses of humor, you know, um, similar religious beliefs, different things like that. So, you know, on a personal level, it's pretty easy to spend time together. And then on a professional level level, you know, Bubba's really easy to work for because, uh, he doesn't practice much, you know, in the sense of, you know, the, the first guy I worked for was on the range, you know, in the putting green on the course with you know 12 extra clubs you know always trying to get better in that kind of way and that can wear you down you know you're out there all day long you know Bubba doesn't like changing clubs and he doesn't practice much he just likes to go play you know let's go play nine holes and be done you know just leave for the day so I get a lot of free time on the road which is a real you know advantage and I'd say the second thing is you know that makes it easy to work for him is he's so good day in and day out you know there's there's never a time where I'm like oh boy we got to figure out what's going on in your golf swing, man. You, you're, you're stinking, you know. He, he just wakes up and golf, the golf, the physical part of the game is easy. So, you know, really um, what's helped our relationship probably the most is is who he was, you know, and who he is now as far as uh, mentally on the golf course. You know, he's always been a great guy off the course, on the golf course in the early years. He's extremely stressed out, you know, like a lot of pros are. 
And, uh, you know, obviously we had some tough times uh, together. But, you know, I look at it like this, Shaheen, my my wife, my kids, we have little spats, you know, but I don't want to get rid of them, you know, and, and find a new family. So, you know, that's just that's just the maturing process of any relationship and you learn and grow. And, you know, I'll say this, that Bubba has worked on himself more than I've ever worked on myself. And he talks about trying to get better as a man, as a dad, as a husband, you know, all the time. And he has for 14 years. So I have a lot of respect for him, you know, even through through his flaws that are obvious because he's on on TV and he's and he's a celebrity or whatever, you know, as a golfer. Um, you know, I have a ton of respect for him and who he is as a man. That's 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 great to hear. Um, I think it's been well documented how how much he's changed on the course, even just from the media point of view. So uh, it's cool to see that uh, your relationship has matured and has gotten way better over the years. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We we cut up and have a great time now. You know, there's still times where it's stressful and gets serious, but um, but in the end, you know, it's just a golf tournament. It's just golf. So, you know, the more we realize that, the more you try to give it your best, and then you walk away saying, "Hey, we did it." You know, we did the best we could, and let's move on and have have a good life. You know. Yeah, I was gonna. I was actually gonna ask, and it's something that you brought up. Have you ever mentioned anything to him in terms of mechanics of his actual golf swing? if like he's having an off day? Because I would imagine that the answer is no, but obviously you're one of the few caddies who knows a ton about the swing itself. So I'm sure that, you know, you have an opinion that actually has some validity to it. Yeah, we, um, you know, I think, I think with Bubba, you know, you got to be careful with, obviously, you know, being a great coach that you are, you have to be careful with a field player that's never had a lesson to be, yeah, you know, like, sure. okay, you know, you got your elbow tucked in here and, you know, whatever, you know, he doesn't want to hear any of that. So, you know, there's times where he gets just barely off or whatever, you know, it's like, man, I'm, I'm having trouble cutting it a little bit. So I've explained just some very simple stuff like, well, you know, all that means is that the face has to go, uh, I mean, the path has to go more to the right. You know, what does that mean? That just means you have to swing more this way to make sure that it starts cutting, you know, or I'll, I might just ask questions. You know, one of my great friends taught me as, as a young man, you know, if you want to influence people, ask great questions. So I'll, I'll just say, well, did you start the ball where, where you wanted to start it? Yes. Okay. But it's not cutting. Okay, good. Or, or no, it's not starting where it wants to start. Okay. Well then, you know, where do you want to start? You know, you just, you just kind of start asking him questions. And then I might say like, well, if your ball's farther back, would that help you cut it or not? You know, just little things like that. More yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. help him figure it out. So you're, because it's almost... he knows, right. And then sometimes yeah. it's, it's obvious, like his ball will get out of position, you know, like everybody does. You're like, man, your ball's way forward for you, you know, and he's like, really, you know, and then he moves it back two inches and starts striping it. So, you know, it's little things with him. But, you know, real quick, I think one of the greatest assets that he has in golf is that he can go from extreme slice to extreme hook in one swing. So it's it's easier for him to find neutral. And he has power, so he can hit any kind of shot he wants. You know what I mean? He can hit it low and still hit it far. And he can hook it a lot because he can create the spin, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think most guys who like to work it one way, they could start getting too much that way or not enough that way. And so, uh Oh, what do I do? But shot to shot, he changes from one to the other so much. He kind of always knows where that neutral zone is, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, do you ever, do you guys ever get strange looks when you're in random pairings of players, maybe that you're less comfortable with when he hits one of those shots where it's like he's aiming so far off the fairway and hitting these wild curves. I'm sure that you must get used to now the reactions that you're getting from like playing partners. Yeah, half the time I'm not even watching him swing. I'm watching the other people, you know, chatting with his backswings, whispering to each other or whatever. And, uh, you know, over the years, it's been a lot of fun for me to see great players. I mean, really top players even, you know, come up and say, 
how good is this guy at golf, man? It's unbelievable, you know, and just the comments about how gifted he is to play the game and, and some of the shots that he hits are just, you know, I, I really do have the best seat in golf. I'm very fortunate, you know, in that sense. For sure. Okay, so tell me, um, there's unfortunately a really, I guess, horrible reputation that I'm not a fan of, of, of recreational golfers not necessarily understanding the role that caddies play or how important a caddy could be to a player because they're so important. And obviously, you know, you're, you're getting that firsthand experience and we know it very well because we're in the industry. But um, I just wanted you to kind of break down like what a, what a caddy does throughout a week for a player, just for maybe those who don't know. What does your week typically look like during tournament mode? Yeah, well, I, I would say, um, you know, caddying can be very important if the player is willing to utilize the caddy. So there has to be that mutual relationship, you know, and I think more and more uh, today, you know, you're seeing more and more players who are really relying upon their caddies, you know, and also, Shaheen, the quality of golfer that the caddies are now has, has grown tremendously in 2000. You know, I used to think like, man, I'm one of the best caddy golfers there is, you know, and now it's like, man, I don't know if I can beat any of these guys. You know, you got yeah. guys that have played on, you know, uh, the web.com and, you know, for five years and they were, you know, all Americans and, you know, all this stuff. So, so, you know, you get a lot of golfers uh, who don't make it, who are starting to caddy because they can make a living. So um, now I think a lot of, a lot of players are really mm -hmm. starting to depend even more on their caddies um, than, than in the past. You know, I, I feel like back in the day, uh, it was more the player, the caddy helped, but it was, you know, now it's really changed. So a typical week, you know, obviously rule number one is you got to know the golf course and you have to think about what kind of questions is your player going to ask, you know? So we do get an incredible yardage book made by Mark Long. Um, now it's, you know, that's even gotten better. Everything's gotten better and easier, but you know, there's still going to be what's into that bunker, you know, and you're going, uh Oh, I, I don't know that, you know, and your pro needs to know it because, by telling him distances, he can form a picture of what what it looks like out there in the fairway and kind of get an idea of, you know, what's the best way to approach that hole, right? Yeah, so, especially one, for a guy like Bubba who feels everything and sees it. Yeah, and he doesn't carry a yardage book. So for him, you know, he, he just wants to know, like, what, what's it to that tree? What's it over that? You know, because he's trying to think, can I carry it? Do I need to stay short of it? Do I need to hook it? What do I need to do? And, you know, so, so you really have to know the golf course. And, you know, you might think that uh, – this tree is not going to be in play, but if you don't look at the weather, you know, on Friday coming up and see that there's a north wind of 25 miles an hour with gusts up to 30, then, you, oh, wow, that tree is in play, you know, you know what I mean? So you kind of start, you kind of start looking at it like, okay, what's the weather going to be like? What's the typical wind here? You know, what's the green firmness? Where's a place to miss it, not to miss it? Because, you know, you want to influence your guy to play safe on certain shots. You know, certain players don't like to look at the leaderboard when they're coming down the stretch and they'll have their caddy do it. Other players look too much and get distracted, you know. So there's a there's a tremendous amount that goes into uh, that goes into it. But I would say probably the most important factors are knowing the golf course really well, meaning, you know, knowing where to hit it, where not to hit it, how far it is to certain things, you know, what's the conditions of the course as far as, you know, how's it playing. You know, a lot of times at Augusta, if you have an afternoon tea time, you'll see caddies out there walking around in the crowd because they have the ability with the sub air system to change the firmness of the greens, even with a deep rain the night before, you know, they can still get them crazy firm. And so you really don't know. And, and you know, you, you want to go out there and hopefully kind of get a, an edge on, on some, you know, what, what's going on and maybe get an idea, get an edge on the rest of the field. Maybe, you know, that man, this pin's sucking back and normally it doesn't because you went and watched it or whatever. So, 
we do a lot of homework like that. Um, and then I would say the second most important thing is, is really the psychology part of it, you know, it, and that is just knowing your guy, what, what motivates him to work, practice, you know, what stresses him out, what keeps him relaxed, you know, under pressure, what's his tendency? Is he aggressive? Is he passive? You know, what is it? So, you know, there's a whole dynamic and the crazy part about the psychology aspect of it is it's constantly changing. So you're having to adapt, you know, um, you know, just like us as human beings, we wake up some days, we don't sleep well. And, you know, we have some stress in our life away from the golf course or whatever. And then you come to the course and now you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm stressed out. I need help, you know, and as a player, if your caddy recognizes that, because they're not most likely going to be going, yeah, man, you know, I'm having trouble. My dad's got cancer or this or that, you know, but you can just kind of tell like, wow, man, this guy's, he's, he's on the edge today. And then other days it's like, wow, there's nothing going to bother him today. So you kind of have to read that and be ready to battle that and go to battle for him, you know? So um, those are probably the two most important factors, you know, I would say. And then Brandon Parsons, who caddies for J.B. Holmes, I love what he said to me one time. He said, you know, I realize that, that JB is a, a race car driver and his only job is to drive the car. And he said, I'm supposed to do everything else. And I want to do everything else. I want to make it. He, that's what he's good at. He's good at driving the car. So why would I make him go get some water and fix a sandwich? And, you know, he's like, I'm going to do as much as I possibly can to make it about just so all he has to think about is driving the car, you know? And I thought, what a great analogy, you know, because, Sometimes you'd be like, well, that's not my job, you know, but if you go above and beyond and those little things make a big difference in life. And, and also, you know, I believe in caddying. So that's, that's kind of my way of looking at it. Well, I think your answer is proving why you're one of the best caddies out there. So, um, yeah, that was, that was very detailed. That was sick. I, I love it. Um, obviously they do a lot more basically is what you're proving than what people unfortunately think. So that's a, uh, that's really cool to, uh, to hear that from you. It's it's really funny because people, you know, that you'd be on an airplane or whatever and, you know, sit next to somebody and like, well, what, you know, where are you heading? You know, and oh, I'm going here. You leaving home? No, you know, I'm going to work. Well, oh, what do you do? A uh, caddy. Oh, so you, so you just carry a bag, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's a little bit comedic, you know, and um, number one, I'd say, yeah, I carry a 50 pound bag about seven miles a day, you know, <laughs> on one side. So your suitcase that's on the bottom of the plane, pick it up, put a strap on it and go walk seven miles, you know, and you got four hours to do it, which is fine. But, you know, see how one, see how that feels in your body, you know, just carry a bag, you know, so it's, it's, it's quite comedy, uh, comedic. I mean, whenever you see people that, that kind of have that impression and then, then you also meet the people that, man, I did that once. That was, that was so hard, you know, or whatever. But, um, you know, in the end it, it's, if you love it, it's not difficult. You know, if you, if you love what you do. And for me, I love it. I, I enjoy the games. Um, so, you know, even the stressful parts are, are worth it, you know, in the end. I, I would fall under the, the latter category. I've, I've caddied for one of my many tour players once in a tournament. And I would say that about two days in, my body was breaking down on me. And I was like, okay, I need to take an ice bath at this point. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about uh, some of Bubba's victories because obviously he's had quite, quite a few really good career. Um, which one stands out more? The, I would imagine the 2012 Masters is going to get your answer anyways, but uh, how important was his win in 2010, his first one? You know, I think that was the most important win because uh, Bubba's dad was dying of cancer and, you know, he wanted to win um, for his dad. You know, he, he was just it, it was probably the most stressed he's been on the golf course. And, you know, in hindsight, 
I didn't know why, you know, it was very difficult that year to work for him because he was just so stressed out over every little thing on the golf course. And in hindsight, I realized because he was putting so much pressure on himself to, to win for his dad before his dad died, you know? So, um, that was a really, you know, awesome thing that happened and you could see the emotions, you know, the emotions came out, you know, just thinking about life and his dad and all that, you know, that's, that's hard. You know, anybody that's close to their dad, obviously it's gotta be really tough. And, um, so that, that was definitely to me the most significant win that he's had, um, as far as, you know, him emotionally, I think that was the one. And then, uh, you know, winning the masters obviously is, is kind of one of those dreams that you just don't think that, uh, that'll happen. You know, it's like, what the heck just happened? I just won the masters, you know? And at that time, I think he had three wins. He had won, um, two, two more tournaments in, uh, 2011 and then won the masters. So it's kind of surreal. You're just like, Whoa, man, this is different, you know? And, um, you know, that was a pretty spectacular golf shot and the adrenaline and, you know, obviously the history behind Augusta, you know, you've watched it as a kid for your whole life and you've seen this person hit it from here and now you're playing in it and you're hitting those shots and you're, you're the guy on TV, you know, making the putts. And so, I, you know, it's, it's just an incredible experience. And, and I'm sure that one that he'll never forget, I'll never forget. Um, but I think, you know, going back to the 2010 one, you know, Bubba, uh, it, he, he's admitted it. You know, the biggest struggle he has is with the, with the mind part of the game. Um, but on the mini tours, just to give you an idea of how good he is at golf, when he played the mini tours, um, someone gave him a check to go play his very first one, and he never needed help financially again. And he walked into a Mercedes dealership and, and bought a Mercedes with cash, um, you know, when he was playing the mini tours. So I think his worst finish ever was like third and – Heath Slocum's dad had a mini tour. I think he won like 10 out of 12 of them or something that year, you know, so golf, he's very good at golf, but as soon as they introduced uh, the web.com tour to him where there's people and crowds and people eating a bag of chips and interviews and media, and you know, it's a sideshow, it's a circus. And a lot of people aren't prepared for that, you know, just like a lot of people aren't prepared for, for stardom period. Um, and so it took him, that was his seventh year as a pro before he won on the big stage, he didn't win on the web. He actually got fortunate that, uh, he was 21st on the money list and Jason Gore, um, won three times to get the battlefield promotion to the PGA tour that bumped him to 20th, which got his card. Wow. So I, I, actually think that, I actually I didn't think, know that. Yeah. So I think knowing that he was that good at golf and had gone seven years and not one, and then his dad's dying of cancer. And, you know, it's just like, it was all built up to that moment. And, uh, you know, the fact that he, he's, we're standing there on 15 and he goes, man, look at that. If we, if we make birdie, you know, we're, we're uh, tied for the lead. Right. So he, he makes birdie and uh, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, we, we have a chance to win this thing. Let's go. You know? And so he ends up getting up, you know, we, we laugh about it today because he's like, all I got to do is make birdie do this and, and this, and this is going to happen. You know, we're going to win. And then we get to 17 to make double, you know? And I said, listen, the next time you, you say what you need to do, make sure you say every hole, not just the hole we're on, you know, yeah. <laughs> you got to lay it all out. Right. And uh, he ended up hitting that six shot on 18 to make birdie. And then, you know, we, we just hoped that we got in the playoff, which we did. So, um, but you know, I think just the seven years of famine, so to speak, you know, on the big stage, knowing he was good enough, you know, when you're that good on the mini tours, you know, you can win, but the distraction part of it has always been hard for Bubba. You know, the game of golf, I always tell people, I wish people could go play with him in a fun round of golf, Nobody around, no, no, you know, uh, members watching, nobody driving by in a golf cart to come see Freak Show hit a ball. Just 
Bubba Golf, man, at its finest, it is amazing what that guy does when he's relaxed. It's incredible. Well, I don't doubt it. I'm sure that uh, whoever's had the fortune of playing with him has seen it for themselves too. Mm-hmm. So uh, just that's that's really interesting. Just to get back to the um, the 2012 Masters, I just had one last question about it. Um, oh yeah, sure. Uh, you guys were paired with Louis in the last round, right? If I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh-huh. Um, what was the mindset when Louis made the albatross? First of all, on the second ah. hole, because that must have been like nuts in the crowd. That was insane, man. Because um, you know, here we are, we're playing with Louis, and we're in the second to last group or whatever. And Bub out drives him, so we're 15 yards, 20 yards ahead of him, and just standing there watching, you know, off to the side, and he hits this shot, and it's like, oh, great shot, you know, he hit it right where you're supposed to in the middle of the green. And I want to say someone did a timing of it. I think it was like 27 seconds or something it took from the time he hit it to the time it went in. I mean, that's a lifetime for a golf shot, right? Yeah. And and the van, the vantage point is so high up from, you know, people that haven't been there. I mean, that's that second shot is way downhill. Like, you can't even believe it until you get there. You're going, what in the world? That is, that's amazing, right? Yeah. So we're so high up, and it's, you're kind of almost looking at the blimp view of the green even. So you see it land, you're like, oh, good shot, man. What a you know, really good swing right there. I think he had three iron. And then it starts rolling. You're like, oh, this is going to be pretty good. Oh, this is getting – oh, this is going to go right towards that pin, you know. And then, and when that thing went in, it was insane how loud it was, you know. Just incredible. So those are those are always fun. I don't care. I really don't care, you know. If it's not the Ryder Cubs, those those kind of roars are fun to be – just to be around, you know. It, it sucks when you're in the Ryder Cup and those roars are against you. You know, because you, you feel like you're taking it personal. But, you know, we just like, dude, six shot, you know, went over and gave him five. Because, again, you know, second hole of the golf tournament, yeah, that doesn't really mean anything. If you have any experience playing golf, you know, it's a marathon. And, you know, that's why it's so hard to sleep on a lead because you start thinking about winning and, and your mind starts doing time travel. And anytime you're doing time travel in golf, you're, you're not you're not in the present. You're not focused on what's in front of you. You're going to struggle. So, uh, you know, it was great to be a part of it. It was great to, to witness it. And, you know, Louie's an incredible human being. So is his caddy Dutchie. And, and we love, we love those guys. You know, we spend time with them. And, uh, so it was, it was fun, man. It was, just, I would just say, look, man, you know, I hope, pe- I hope people get to experience things like that in their life. It was just a blast to be a part of that. Do you think that being, uh, in the penultimate group actually helped you guys not staying on a lead overnight? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think, uh, it's way easier to be one back, you know, obviously you want to be ahead because, you know, strokes are not easy to make up, but on the mind, you know, it's a lot easier to be one or two back, you know, and and that year especially was a blessing for Bubba because, you know, he, he actually always felt like he could play well at Augusta because just everything about it brought his skills alive and his eyes and the feeling and, and all that. And there's not a lot of distraction there. You know, the patrons are, are very well behaved and um so i almost feel really like I, I, I almost feel like bubba doesn't get enough credit for how good his short game is too yeah you know he's he's got it's like john daly man you know when you got hands like that and you're going to be good at short game you know phil mickelson's got great hands he's a great shot maker you know so you know he plays golf with his hands you know and even tiger talks about he plays golf i play golf with my hands you know everybody talks about the big muscles yeah but the great short game guys, Seve Ballesteros, you know, they, you got to have great hands to, to hit those shots. And, and they're, you know, those guys definitely have great hands, but um, yeah. So anyway, I, I think, you know, for Bubba, that's just that golf course, that, that tournament, everything about it just sets up so well for him, you know, um, you know, the, 
the thing he loves the most is the the visual eye popping of kind of like desert golf. He loves desert golf for the same reason. You know, you have the brown pine straw and then this bright green grass. And in the desert, you get this brown desert and the bright green grass. So it's very easy for him to see the target that he's trying to connect himself to. Whereas when we go play, you know, somewhere where there's Bermuda or, or even at the British Open, which is great golf for him on paper, but visually it's very difficult because there's no feedback. You just look out there and into the abyss and there's nothing nothing to feel like you can connect to it's just brown you know right and, there's no, and, there's um, no difference a, like an obvious difference from fairway to rough to whatever visually right exactly and a linear golfer who's like you know like a justin rose can pick a spot and then look down at a piece of grass set up to that piece of grass and make a swing you know bubba doesn't play like that so when he's you know when he's looking out there he wants to see what he's what he's getting into and then his body feels how where to stand to hit there and that's one of the reasons why believe it or not you know he doesn't he he I mean once or twice a year he'll hit a draw with his driver like he never draws it it's built not to draw it's hard for him to draw his driver it's the only club he doesn't turn over and number 10 in augusta is a massive slice you know off the tee he can yeah. hit a 50 yard banana but what's interesting is he, he doesn't like that tee shot and he hit it straight he hit it through the fairway in the playoff you know and the reason he doesn't like it is because he can't see the fairway he can't see it i mean after 100 yards the whole thing disappears. So right. it's kind of like, okay, now what do I do? Right. So, you know, it's the commitment part of it is difficult, but the rest of the golf course is so inviting that he just feels like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I love this place. So that's uh yeah, that was uh that was one heck of a playoff. I mean, I think he surprised the entire world when obviously he hooked that famous gap wedge onto the green. Um, It's cool that you brought up the Ryder Cup. I was going to ask, actually, I don't want to dive into too much detail about it. I know it's really personal for a lot of players and it can get really intense that week. But what is the difference? Uh, is there like glaring differences between the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup for the players or the caddies? You know, I, I feel like there's a lot more pressure in the Ryder Cup. And I, I don't know why that is. You know, I've caddied in both. And um, <clears throat> I don't know. It just seems like it just it's just funny. You know, it's like, we create stuff in, in your head. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like anything you can have your best friend you're playing ping pong against. And all of a sudden he says something you're like, Oh, you punk, you know, and you hate him for why you're playing the game, you know? And then when it's over, you're like, Oh, you're still my best friend. Right. And that's kind of what the Ryder cup is. I mean, we, we love those guys, you know I mean? We spend time with them. They're friends. We, you know, they're coworkers, so to speak. Of course you're trying to beat them, but during Ryder cup week, man, I don't know what it is. There's a special kind of bond, you know, on both teams. And it's like, you feel like, You're going to battle against somebody and, you know, it's like, let's kill these guys, you know, or whatever. And so it just seems, and there's no money involved and there's, you know, it's just, everybody's playing for that small trophy and uh, man, it's, it's intense, man. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. I, it's probably the first time I've ever shook as a caddy, you know, sometimes in the first tee, you're like, oh gosh, what's two plus two? What's two plus two? <laughs> you know? What was the, what was the um, first one you caddied for? It was a uh, 08? It was Celtic Manor in 2010. 2010. Yeah, it was nuts, man. Uh, on that first tee, and they they sing those songs in Wales. It was they were it was awesome. It was just an adrenaline rush, man. They're standing there. Matter of fact, I um, funny story is we were we were off, you know, first, and uh, I was so nervous. You know, we went warmed up, and it was it was freezing cold. So you're basically an hour and a half since I had seen a restroom, and we go we go warm up, and we're on the second hole. 
and I got to use the bathroom, man. I'm just nervous, you know, and I'm like, I haven't drank anything. But I was like, I got to go pee. And there's, of course, there's a sea of people. I don't see a restroom. So I just asked one of the police officers, can I go pee over here? And he said, yeah. So I'm peeing 10 feet, you know, I'm, I'm like 10 feet away from 3,000 people. They're walking right behind me. I'm just peeing on some grass. <laughs> it was like, why am I so nervous, man? You know, it's just, I'm not even hitting a shot, you know, but you just, you just can feel it. It's, it's strange. I, I don't know what the deal is. I, I get, I actually get that because um, the very few times I've had like very anxious or exciting or nervous moments in my life, I've, I feel like for whatever reason, I've had to go to the bathroom in every single one of those two. I don't know what it is, but it brings it out in you. Yeah, it does. You know, your body starts doing things. You're like, okay, I need to get rid of this or whatever. But uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's really what you play for. You want to be nervous. And that's what, you know, that's what I try to remind my students that I'm coaching. You know, so listen, man, here's the deal. You know, if you don't want to be nervous, then don't play competitive golf because you're going to be nervous because you want to do well. And it's not about like, oh, just go out and don't care and stuff like that. That doesn't work. You know, you're going to care. So you just have to learn to deal with it, you know. And <clears throat> I love that idea. When I was growing up, you know, I thought something was wrong with me when I'd play in golf tournaments because I was shaking and nervous. And, and I was like, oh, something's wrong with me. You know, I'm the only person that's feeling this. And now you go to the Ryder Cup and you watch your guy try to tee his ball up and you're kind of wondering, is he going to be able to get this ball to tee? That hand looks shaky, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're kind of like, okay, this is different, you know? And then you hear you hear Tiger at times will say he's nervous, and you're like, what? You know, you're nervous? What the heck, you know? A lot of my friends deer hunt, and they say when you shoot a deer, you know, you get the, the, the shakes afterwards, you know? And I'll ask men that I know have hunted for 30 years, you know, and killed a deer every year, and say, man, you still get adrenaline? And they're like, oh, my gosh, dude, every time, you know? It, it's just – and that's part of life, so – you know, I think that's a that's a key thing I would say as a caddy. These guys are nervous, you know, and I would tell your listeners, you know, want them to know that it's okay to be nervous, whether you're putting for a dollar against your friend or you're trying to win the club championship or whatever, and just learn to embrace it and that those nerves are there to help you focus and perform at your best if you allow it to, you know, and don't be afraid of it. That's a, that's, that's a really good way of putting it. I like that a lot. How did you um, How did you learn so much about the golf swing anyways? Because obviously your knowledge – on ball flight laws or swing mechanics is so strong and obviously you're a good player in your own right which is one way to develop that knowledge but like you know way more than I mean literally some coaches that I've seen I know that you coach a few players on the side but how did you uh, get into the instruction part of it well I'd say uh desperation um you know I grew up <clears throat> hit, hit the ball everywhere you know got some really bad instruction uh not sadly from people that were good golfers, you know, just saying, Oh, you need to do this, you know, not instruction from a coach yeah. and uh, just got into some terrible habits. And then the course that I played uh, in high school was wide open. So I could just hit it anywhere and use my short game. And that's, you know, I always had a great short game. And um, whenever I started caddying for Grant Wade, you know, he was one of the most knowledgeable golfers on the PGA tour. As far as the swing is concerned, he was my first pro and uh, he had one of the best golf swings. So, I, you know, I, I asked a lot of questions because I was like, wow, I want to hit it like this guy, you know. So I asked him a lot of questions and, and we, you know, he, he sought a lot of advice from people. So I was there. And then uh, when I worked for Paul Azinger, you know, he, he knew a ton about the short game. He didn't hit the ball very good when I was working for him, but he was amazing with short game and technique. And he taught me some stuff about, you know, chipping and things that he had learned and just asking great questions again. And then, uh, I went through a time period when I started working for Bubba where I wasn't really, uh, you know, focused on it much because Bubba obviously didn't need to work on things. And um, and then I got to where 
you know, I really wanted to start getting better myself. And, you know, I, I, re I finally realized like, wow, I'm out here every day. I'm sitting down with, you know, Butch Harmon or, you know, whoever. I mean, it was like some of these top, top teachers, right. You know, I'm sitting down with these guys for years and because uh, a lot of times they come eat in the caddy area and I'm never asking these guys like, you know, when you were working with Tiger in 2000, you know, what were you, what were y'all doing to hit the stinger? You know what I mean? Just, so you just start asking questions of people that have been around the greatest players and, and are considered the greatest teachers, or you just sit in on their conversation. And, and I think, you know, it's, a, it's the best way to learn. You know, I'm fortunate to have that experience nowadays, you know, it's a lot easier because of, uh, social media and videos and technology, you know, you can learn it from your, from your, uh, you know, your living room or your office or whatever. So or on your phone, even traveling. So I, I just, you know, anybody out there that wants to learn about the golf swing and wants to get better, you know, I would say, say two things. Number one, don't be afraid to ask questions. And number two, don't be afraid to pay for those answers, you know, financially. I mean, people are trying to make a living, you know, give, give some monetary, means to that person for their experience and, and you'll get something in return. It'll be worth it. You know, and I don't take everything I hear and say, yeah, that's definitely the gospel. You know, I'll, I'll take some of it and go, I don't really like that, but other people do. And that's okay. You know, I don't agree with everything out there and not everybody agrees with me. And that's what makes golf so awesome is that no two people swing exactly the same, but I feel like every teacher and every great player has something that I can learn from. So I take an open mind to everybody I talk to and, you know, I don't say oh, that guy didn't know what he's talking about. He's he's doing this. That 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 doesn't work. I'm like, hey, you never know. I'm gonna ask anyway. You know. I think history has proven that there's a million ways to swing a golf club, and obviously, that also means that the science is there to back it up too, or else they they wouldn't be successful. So to say that one philosophy mm -hmm. is is far better or uh, is the only way to do it, I mean, it's obviously a flawed mentality to have. So you can definitely learn from everybody, whether you agree with them or not, for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, you, you know that I mean, you got so many great players you're working with and, you know, you don't see the same two guys that they don't come in there and everybody's got their elbow a certain way or their grip <laughs> a certain way or stand the height, you know, I mean, I, I've even thought of things like this, you know, Grant Wade had a very short torso and long legs and long arms. And then you have, you know, someone like me who's got longer torso, you know, we're about the same height, but we sit at the table. He's, he's a lot shorter than me at the table. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, so on camera, my swing shouldn't quite look exactly like his because we're almost the same height, but we're built totally different, you know? And when he bends over, his, his spine has bent over more because he's longer legs than me. And, you know, when I bend over, my, my pelvis is closer to the ground. I don't bend over as much. So, you know, little things like that, you just start picking up on and going, okay. But also, you know, what, what are the similarities? And that's, man, the science is awesome, you know, now, especially with, you know, force plates and, you know, body sensors and, you know, all the flight scope and, you know, just, there's so much data out there. Um, you've probably heard of James Lights. He was actually my junior golf coach, ironically. He was one of the first, uh, the first people, you know, on TrackMan's website. And he was one of the first people I remember 15 years ago, probably I went to talk with him and he was explaining the D plane to me and stuff, you know, and I was like, what's the D plane? What the heck is this guy talking yeah. about? You know? So just been fortunate to be around a lot of very smart people that I haven't figured out any of it myself. I'm just trying to be a sponge and suck it up and soak it up and take it all in and hopefully pass it along to somebody else that will help them, you know? Well, I love to see it, dude. And, um, yeah, I, I'm going to let you get going because I know you got a bunch of stuff to do, but I really appreciate you coming on. It's, uh, 
I mean, you're, you're so knowledgeable. You have so many experiences that I think a lot of people can learn from. And honestly, this was one of the more informative podcasts we've done so far. So I, I genuinely appreciate it. And I think the listeners are really going to like it too. Shaheen, thanks a lot for having me, brother. You're a good man. You've always been uh, there for me. I remember in the early stages of your teaching, you even helped me with my golf swing. You're like, man, you're doing this, bro. So I appreciate that, man. You got got a good swing. I wouldn't be too worried about it. It was an easy job for me. Shit. (laughs) All right. All right, Teddy. Take it easy. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, as always, I'm going to remind everybody, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can check us out on social media at Shkeen Golf, S-H-K-E-E-N Golf. Uh, that's my own personal account. I use the same handle for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also check out our Academy's um, social media page, which is Giovanni Golf. So my last name and golf. Uh, that's where we post a lot about what's going on with the Academy, what we're filming and things of that nature. Um, one last little thing I wanted to mention next week is our monthly mailbag episode. So we have Nick Starchuk on the show coming on. It's a really cool episode. And at the start of the episode, before we uh, play you guys the interview, uh, we're going to be answering a bunch of questions that were sent into us uh, through our social media channels. So it'll probably be, um, you know, a decent 20 to 40 minutes, however long it's going to take uh, for us to get through all the questions. So if you guys are interested to know more about the golf swing, that would be the episode to check out because I'm going to be dropping some knowledge bombs for you guys. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, see what's going on.